0: Hey, Nicole. Hey, John. All right. Ready to record another one?
1: Yep. Let's do this. Welcome to Shape the Conversation. I'm Nicole.
0: I'm John we are working on a better intro. So hopefully in the episodes to come, we're going to have this a little more dialed in, but we both work at shape.io. Nicole runs marketing, customer support, a little product. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be the CEO. And this week's topic, we're going to talk about good problems versus bad problems and how they can help you decide where to Put your attention throughout your day and what to work on, especially maybe if you're building something new or starting a company, kind of deciding what's a good problem and what's a bad problem can really help you work on the things that are going to make the most difference. So, Nicole, describe to me what what do you think a good problem is?
1: Okay, so here's what I'm viewing as a good problem. We live in Bend, Oregon. We have a ton of breweries. You go to the supermarket, you have hundreds of beer options to choose from. A good problem for me is not being able to decide which beer to take home. Is that kind of what you're talking about?
0: Well, I agree that is a good problem and one I often find myself faced with too at the store. That's not exactly the way I think we'll position this as like good versus bad problems. So here's an example. Early on when I was pitching to investors three, four years ago and we were trying to get some seed funding, investors would look at a pitch deck and they'd say like, okay, I see the plan about how you can get to, you know, 50, 100 agencies using your your software, but how are you going to get the next 200, 300? And in my head, I was always kind of thinking, that that sounds like a good problem. Like, I I feel like, okay, get me to that problem, and and maybe I'll figure it out from there. So... A lot of times early on when we were trying to figure out what to do, we needed at least some kind of general framework to help us with priorities and figure out what to work on, whether we're building features or taking new sales actions. So I think we could talk a little bit about too how we look at that today and how determining if something is a good or bad problem determines its positioning on our priority list. So let's talk about the ultimate bad problem that we put first and foremost, above all other priorities when it comes through, and you know a lot about that one.
1: Customer support.
0: There's no top priority that comes above somebody submitting a bug or an issue they might have or confusion with the app. We try to get on that one really quick. So there's a lot of obvious reasons you might put customer support first, but from your perspective, Nicole, why is that a problem that is so important, so immediate when there's so many things you could be doing?
1: I mean, our customers are our lifeblood. We need to make sure that we have a really good customer base who understands that we're there for them, that we are going to take care of their issues, especially when you're dealing with type of you know customers that we have who are typically advertisers or agencies. They're typically handing their own money or their clients' money. So it's really important that when issues pop up that they see are impacting that spend that we get on it.
0: And I think that may, may seem obvious, but important to talk about a lot amongst your team and make sure everybody knows that. For example, if our developers are heads down on some new feature working on something additional to the app, they know they could be completely pulled off for days at a time if there's a support request that needs addressing. So. It's just part of our culture and in order for it to become part of your culture, you gotta talk about a lot and you gotta make sure it's really clear around the office. Everybody knows like time stops when we see that support channel blow up in Slack. And somebody needs to be getting back in touch with them as soon as possible. You do a great job of that. But that that's one of those things we always talk about, we need to talk about all the time with our teams and with our customers, make sure they know we're gonna be there.
1: Now, I'm gonna be a little contradictory here because I think, yes, support is typically a really, really bad problem. It is gonna impact your entire workflow, but there are some good instances that I see coming from our customer support or good problems, if you will. And that's typically when, and I love these tickets when they come through, but when our customers come to us and ask, hey, is this feature in here? Or have you thought about this? And we get to say, You know what, it's not in there right now, but let us talk to our developers, we're going to go back, we're going to evaluate it, see if we can get it in the product for you, and One, I mean, it's an opportunity when our developers can slot it in to really delight the customer, but two, it also means that they're using the software and they're loving the software. They want it to be even better. So I think good problem, bad problem here is is a great framework for this, but I, I would argue that it can be both ways.
0: Honestly, it's kind of the original good problem, you know, like I first didn't figure out what kind of customer support software we'd be using or whatever, I figured like, okay, well, if I have customers with support tickets, that's a good problem. I'll figure it out from there. So that's a great example of one that like kind of starts as a good problem. You don't have to worry about right away and then eventually figure out as it actually becomes a problem. And I think that's the key here thinking about good to bad problem. What is actually a problem right now in your day to day or as opposed to what? is a problem you can maybe put off and still be okay still be pushing the ball forward and dealing with more pressing problems
1: so do you have an example of that
0: one particular example i could think about was shape for a long time was not a great experience for teams to use so for the first three four years that we were out there as a free product it was great software for somebody to use individually and to set up all your data and and manage bunch of advertising accounts but it was not great at making it easy to share that data
1: so to give you an example before i came over to shape i was actually managing a team that used shape while everyone had their own instance of a shape account i couldn't access any of my team's accounts so i couldn't see how their clients were trending i couldn't see if they had specific performance metrics and so While it wasn't necessarily something that we couldn't overcome, it was frustrating.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, right? Like you're going to go sell software targeting teams of analysts and your software isn't optimized for teams. But that's an example of one of those good problems we categorized as a good problem. So early on, it takes a lot more work with Google APIs authentication to create an environment where you can share that type of data. Um, It would have been months and months of development at a time when we weren't even sure if people were gonna use the software and found a lot of the core features useful really early on. So we made the decision that, hey, let's first get Teams really interested in using the software. And if we can infiltrate Teams even if we're not optimized by Teams, then we feel like we're really on to something. And we had people hacking all sorts of ways to use it. We had people sharing one login amongst 10 to 15 team members. We saw a bunch of different ways that people were using the software in a Team-like fashion before it even existed.
1: So do you think there was anything that came out of seeing people use those hacks, or et cetera, that you actually implemented in the product that you wouldn't have had you tried to build Teams right away?
0: Definitely there was a few things that bubbled up and without getting too much in the weeds around specifics, most of it around like permission levels. So one of the biggest things you got to figure out when you do add sharing features is, okay, what is everybody going to be able to see? And that was what we were really able to mine our current customers and ask them what permissions various analysts or account managers or CEOs or CFOs were going to need to talk through. And kind of delaying that decision made us develop a better product once we actually released it. Now, I think it's important to say too, like, this is just what we did. This was not necessarily the right thing to do or the correct thing to do. like. There is a world where, or a version of this world, where maybe we build those sharing features early on and it helps us spread amongst teams a lot easier and that is the catalyst that gets us going. Like, I could see that also working, but at the time we weren't even sure if teams would use it. So it made more sense to us, let's figure out that problem down the road. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of ways that you know we've looked at product in this good versus bad framework. One example we just hit recently is one where we're looking to like process really large accounts and that's another challenge that now taken on as we have prospects and customers that are a little bit higher up the food chain in the advertising world.
1: So when you say big accounts, just again to give an example, are you talking about let's say a client comes in and they have one massive account, let's say they work for a Fortune 500 company and they've got thousands of campaigns or millions of campaigns or are you talking about a big agency with hundreds of clients and then who those hundreds of clients have hundreds of campaigns or thousands of campaigns so
0: i think just talking about like big campaigns however they might come and for our customers like fortune 500 companies are sometimes hidden within our customer accounts you know we might be working with a digital marketing agency that represents a fortune 500 so bringing this into the good bad problem framework, there's a lot of things you decide with your product early on about how it can scale. So as you go through different life cycles of your product, you scale up and make it more able to handle bigger and bigger accounts. And these are problems I don't think you should solve from day one. A lot of companies sit back and they say, okay, if we put up our sign up page for our free beta and the biggest advertising agency in the world Mm -hmm tries to sign up the next day and our software doesn't work, that's terrible, we'll never be able to bounce back from that. We shouldn't do that because they'll never trust us again. That's actually not the case. You know, I think you don't even know if you can attract their attention yet. So we really paid a lot of attention to the type of prospects we were talking to along the way and the customers we were getting and kind of scaled up our services as our customers matured and we matured. And so now we're able to handle massive accounts from any company in the world, whereas even a year and a half, two years ago, we weren't able to scale that size because we didn't have to yet. And I think product is where it does fit really well to kind of look at this good versus bad problem framework. I mean, when you're trying to make recommendations into the engineering team, how in your mind are you kind of looking through the sifter about what to put in front of them from what you're hearing in support?
1: yeah I mean, again, it comes from a support basis. So I think sometimes that does take precedence, although coming from a product background, I, I try to really I try to take all of my previous experience to make those recommendations. So again, things that are impacting either you know potential revenue for our clients or even ourselves. Now, that's really going to take precedence again, I mean, especially if it's a negative experience for our customers, because again, actually, I should say coming from a marketing and a customer service perspective, You have one client with a bad experience and they're going to tell 10 people. You have one client with a great experience. They're going to tell two people, hopefully, right? And so you kind of have to balance that. It's hard because there's times when there are small usability things or really great enhancements that I want to recommend. Being a former user of the software, or maybe even hearing it from a couple of our customers, but those aren't going to have the same impact that something that's impacting a customer support or creating a customer support issue is going to impact or affect our software.
0: You, you mentioned looking at it from the marketing perspective and looking at this like good versus bad problem framework. Marketing and sales is a lot less clear of lines when it comes to figuring out like what a good problem and a bad problem is. So example, like your sales reps are always going to want more leads. They're always going to deem that a bad problem, not having enough leads. So. That's an example, though, of a bad problem in sales and marketing where you can't necessarily take action on something that vague all the time every day. And you've got to decide in sales and marketing a little bit in the gray areas about what to work on and what not to work on, like trying to determine what you put on the homepage of your website. That's very much not a problem that's ever done or ever people will will agree as a whole is done i mean we've always struggled with kind of like what to present to people on our home page and the language that resonates
1: you know kind of that unique value proposition it could seem like a bad problem to not be 100 percent confident in your unique value proposition but as john said that's always going to change especially if you're a software company that's really focused on development as opposed to stasis you always want to be looking at how to improve your product for your customers, and not having a unique value proposition that's static is. See, and here, here you go. Here you have that divide. Is it a good problem? Is it a bad problem? Because I don't know.
0: Yeah, and I think that's where every framework breaks down at yeah. some point. You know, you're just trying to look for some ways to help you make decisions through the day. So the good versus bad framework is one that we use here at Shape, kind of on the product side a lot of times and more organizational type stuff to determine repercussions. But the reality is you can't make every decision on that simple of a funnel. And things like marketing really bring that to bear. Now I do think there are some examples of specific tasks within sales and marketing that people will take on too early because they are good problems. So example, all right, I'm gonna create a new newsletter, right? And everybody that signs up for my new newsletter, I'm gonna create a Zapier plugin that pings it to my MailChimp list that then automatically plugs their name into the MailChimp template that gets dripped to them you know once a week and then filters what articles they want to see like that's all stuff figure out first like is anybody gonna sign up for your newsletter just have it send an email to you when you get a new sign up and put it on a google doc list and then send them all an email you'll probably have three then four then maybe six people signing up to start you don't have to scale those systems before spend your time on what's gonna get you those initial sign-ups or that initial traction on whatever marketing endeavor you're looking at. Um, you could waste a lot of time, like we probably have, honestly, in the past on marketing, taking on some problems that were down the road, more scale problems that we weren't quite at yet.
1: Absolutely. So along those lines, uh, one of those good problems that we still have three, four weeks into this podcast is that we still don't have an outro. We have listeners, we don't have an outro.
0: That is true, that is a good problem.
1: We'll be working on it per the usual, along with our intro, but we hope you found some value right in the middle.
0: And if you are listening out there, don't hesitate to reach out and get in touch. You can email us, you can email Nicole, nicole at shape.io. Email me, John, J-O-N, at shape.io. We'd love to hear from you. I already heard from a few of you, so we know you're out there. And until next time, over and out from Shape Studios
1: in Bend, Oregon.